listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from UBC Point Grey campus on the unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am Sarah, and um, we have a great show for today. We have a bunch of reviews, and I am going to start with one. I am starting with Spooky Action. So Spooky Action is a dance show, and... No, it is not um, Halloween related, even though it is called spooky action. I just want to point that out. So, um, the okay, let's start with why it's called spooky action. It is um, based on Einstein's theory of spooky action at a dis- distance. Um, it so it's the theory refers to. The particles that are so closely linked, they share the same existence, yet they could be an entire universe apart. And so he calls this phenomenon spooky action at a distance. And then um, Leslie Telford, who is the choreographer of this, um, was inspired by this um, phenomenon and came up with an interdisciplinary <laughs> Um, dance project so this also includes poetry and I know that sounds weird but it was not it was actually really amazing so the poet was Barbara Adler Adler I'm not sure how to pronounce that right I'm sorry about that um so okay let's start okay let's start with what I think I really loved it I didn't know what to expect when I first into it because, I mean, poetry and dance, how could they be together, right? But it was so well done that I now want to see more dance shows with poetry. <laughs> and um, so there was a post-show talk. So the dancers, there were five dancers. Um, the dancers, Barbara Adler and Leslie Telford, were all there. It was a Q&A type of thing. And so someone asked, um, how did this all, you know, come together? Why poetry? Why spooky action? And um, she explained that actually she came up with this idea while she was watching a vampire movie, which is, you know, interesting, I know. Um, They were apparently in the movie, there were this phenomenon was mentioned and she was like, hey, yes, I do feel this way. It's like, you know, you have these people that you are so closely linked to, but you might not talk to them, you know, every day. You might be talking to them once a year. You might be seeing them every five years, but you're still really close, even though, you know, you're at a really big distance. And um, there were some <laughs> interesting stuff in the show. They used um, two different props slash objects, I want to say. So there was this one. Um, this was, by the way, uh, contemporaneous. I would say it wasn't, you know, classical or it wasn't. It was, yeah, modern slash contemporary. Um, yeah, it was really good. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so there was a, this black t-shirt. It was long sleeve that was used. So it kind of showed, you know, the feeling of someone being under your skin. And it was really well done. At first, I, I mean, I am <laughs> embarrassed to admit this, but it did take me a while to realize this. But, you know, that's what you get with abstract performances. <laughs> um, and also they use this elastic to show the connectivity that I was just talking about. And um, sorry, I had to cough. Um, and yeah, I just I don't know what else to say. I wish it was running for longer, though, because it ran from October 16th to 19th. I did um, post a lot about it on our Instagram page. By the way, follow us on Instagram. It's at artsreportcitr. I've started posting more stories about what we're up to so that, you know, you can get a sneak peek of what our show's going to be about. And sometimes I post stuff from the studio. So if you're wondering how the studio is, you might get to see that too. And um, 
Yeah, so if you saw it, amazing. Also, apparently this um, show, so Spooky Action, made its premiere um, in 2017. And then Leslie Telford left Vancouver, if I'm not wrong, and then she came back. And so it was only for four days, which, you know, is a shame because it was amazing. So if she brings this back and if it's for a longer run, I really advise you to go see it because this is amazing. The dancers, they were so good. I did ask them, you know, how long they had to prepare slash to learn the choreography. And so there were two dancers, two of the five. They worked with Leslie in 2017 too. So, you know, it's kind of like breathing for them at this point, I guess. Uh, but the newest member um, had one month and I feel like that's pr pretty much the norm for, you know, professional dancers here. I, I think Ballet BC last year when I went to see it, they also had a month to prepare. I'm not sure if that's, you know, for every one of them. But I just want to say for a month, that was really good. Um, the dancers, they are really talented. And I really wish you could see it. If you did, amazing. Um yeah, so if Spooky Action comes back, make sure to check it out because it was really good. Yeah. And um, so passing from that to something else happening this week. So now you'll know about it and maybe you'll go see it. Um, Bangara Dance is coming to Vancouver and Bangara Dance is an Australian dance company. So the dance show, the production, it's called Spirit. And Spirit is happening this Saturday and this Friday and Saturday. And I had the chance to interview Jim Smith, who is the artistic director of Dance House. And so the Spirit is, you know, a collaboration between Dance House and Bangara Dance. And so we have a we have an interview for you to listen to and I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello everybody, I'm Sarah and I'm here today with Jim Smith who is the Dance House's artistic director and today we're going to talk about this very interesting show coming to Vancouver this week. It's period by the Bungaria Dance Theatre and how are you today Jim? Very well, thanks. So Bungaria is an Australian dance company and That's I'm... correct. Yes, I'm wondering how did this con connection between Bungaria Dance and Dance House happened. So why bring this company to Vancouver? So it's a, a wonderful question because it's a great story, as a matter of fact. Um, so Bungara is an indigenous company uh, based in Australia. It's uh, very successful in that it is uh, recognized internationally. They tour not a lot internationally because much of the work that they do is very much in community. So they will uh, regularly create productions that have come out of being in residence in an indigenous community in Australia, and very much their approach, their underlying principle is that the stories that they uh, derive and pull out of uh, communities should be delivered back to the community. So much of their performing activity really takes place in the context of Australia. However, uh, they do small periods where they tour internationally, which is a wonderful opportunity for this Indigenous voice, as it's manifested um, through the company to be shared in an international context. And with the truth and reconciliation movement that's been going on in Canada, Bangara made it a priority that they wanted to come to Canada to present their work and have it in the space of what's uh, currently going on in terms of a conversation of reconciliation. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, we're very pleased that they reached out to us. The company actually presented themselves mm -hmm. with the intention of wanting to, again, have a, a presence, uh, participate, uh, bring what, what I would offer is a larger context to the conversation. So that is recognizing there is a reconciliation conversation going on here in Canada. These conversations are also going on elsewhere in the world. And um, we can look to Australia, we can look to New Zealand as you know two examples where these uh, societal conversations are underway and have moved along. 
So from my perspective, it becomes very interesting to allow a Vancouver audience and, you know, more broadly a Canadian audience to see this work. Um, it, it provides a context to our Canadian experience as we see where is the Indigenous uh, artistic voice at this point in time. Do we see it on our main stage stages? Uh, you know, is it absent at this point in time? Certainly my observation would be it's not as present as it should be. So this is a, a, a great opportunity to provide... Um, you know, the opportunity to see the work, but also for Canadians to reflect on, you know, where are we at in this conversation in Canada? And then uh, circle out, uh, how to take on a wider lens, and where is Canada in the context of other Indigenous reconciliation conversations that are going on in the world? Mm -hmm. Thank you. So talking about the um, Indigenous people, I'm, I'm wondering, so do you think there's a message there? Because this show is about the connection between Indigenous people, the land, and the creation itself, right? So, um, yeah, do you think there's a message there? or So is this a timely um, piece, or is there a reason why you're bringing it to Vancouver now? Because I know so, you said that they reached out to you, but I know. Yeah. <laughs> the, so I, I would uh, respond with uh, just a bit about the piece. So it is mm -hmm. titled Spirit, and it is in many ways a reconciliation, uh, so, pardon me, not a reconciliation, a retrospective of some of their previous works in the past 30 years. So it's a bit of a greatest hits in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the thing that I think is important to recognize is that there's uh, arguably a different value system in their artistic approach. Uh, so while we're very much dealing with a company that is trained at a very high level, my observation would be that there is a spiritual value that um, informs their artistic approach more so than, say, a virtuosic value, which um, is much more about, you know, higher, faster, harder. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that for me, these are the, one of the things that I feel um, is very easy to sense is the difference between, um, you know, their particular approach to making an artistic um, offering and what we're probably more familiar with or see more often uh, from a Western European perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And um, so another question I have is when um, describing the show, it is described as a seamless fusion of authentic totemic storytelling. And yeah. I was just wondering if you could tell us what authentic totemic storytelling means. Well, I, I, so it's a, that is a pretty packed up term. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I would go back to the origins of these stories very much come from a lived uh, experience within a community. So again, the, the idea that the uh, the company uh, very much goes into residency in an Indigenous community. Mm -hmm. They actually live with that community for a period of time. Stories are shared, which are stories that are often hereditary and have been in families or in communities for many, many, many generations. Mm -hmm. They are often um, informed by a relationship of, uh, of the people with the earth. So that is, you know, how did the natural world uh, end up being characterized in terms of providing for um providing for the, you know the humans that inhabit it and then as well you know what is the nature or the what is the relationship of those inhabitants in terms of their relationship with the natural world itself so it it, it tries to uh, it very much does uh take on an approach of trying to explore um, mankind's relationship with the natural world uh, and having a very pragmatic, uh, living, long um, history and ancestral or an origins type story of how the relationship originally began. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's really interesting. And um, so can you describe what the process of creating the show was? Because I read that there was information gathered from elders. So how did you put it into, you know, a dance show? <laughs> Yeah, no, I guess because I'm not uh, uh, actually involved in the creation of the piece itself, I feel like I'm ill-equipped to be able to respond to that mm -hmm. question. Okay. Uh, however, I would point out that there before both performances, which take place on Friday and Saturday of this week, uh, at 7.15 there is a pre-show chat where the artistic director of the company will be uh, hosted by Star Marenko, who's a local Indigenous choreographer. And I anticipate that uh, very much that approach of how his work um, built, created, will be the topic of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you. And um, what should we expect from the show? How do you think the audience will respond to it? 
in your point of view as the artistic director? I have to say that uh, I, I I have a lot of curiosity about how this response uh, or how the audience will respond to this work. Uh, again, this is uh, very much a professional company uh, delivering a professional show, but the artistic approach uh, is something that will be uh, markedly different from again what a I hate the idea of a typical dance house show, but uh, what what is generally sort of anticipated or expected out of a dance house show, I expect that this will deliver something that is slightly different from that. And so I have a lot of curiosity about how the response will be. But I actually think that this is uh, you know one of the magical moments or one of the magical outcomes of this um, of presenting this work is that it is something that comes from a very different uh, perspective, a very very different point of view, which will hopefully um, provoke an audience. And I, you know, I use that word provoke with a lowercase p and not, you know, mm-hmm. outrage provoke, but uh, just cause for a moment of pause to appreciate difference and uh, how that uh, should be celebrated in our society. Mm-hmm. And um, you said this is uh, a little different from dance houses, you know, typical quote-unquote dance shows. So I'm wondering how your experience was with this. Um, uh, So from a very personal perspective, uh, I, I again, I find that there is a specificity to the approach of storytelling. It is very much storytelling in terms of the stylistic approach to the work. And, and it's certainly taps into a different sensibility. Uh, again, it's uh, not work that is necessarily virtuosic, uh, but work that tries to tell a story in a much gentler um, approach. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, can you remind us when and where Spirit is taking place? Sure. So Spirit is this coming Friday and Saturday, that's the 25th and the 26th of October at the Vancouver Playhouse. Uh, Performance starts at Mm -hmm. 8pm, pre-show chat at 7.15 in the upper lobby, and uh, you can find more information and also buy tickets at dancehouse.ca. That's our website. Yes, and also I feel like it's worth mentioning that this is a tour. So Vancouver is the first leg of the tour, right? You got it. <laughs> yes, and they're going to Montreal and Brentford, Toronto, the Six Nations, Ottawa, mm-hmm. and actually Chicago too, United States. That's it. They have one U.S. state in there as well. Yes, so that is amazing. Thank you so much, Jim. Do you have anything you would like to add? Uh, no, I would just encourage anybody who might be available to come out and take in the show. Again, it is a very unique and original offering, I would say, and it uh, brings a context to appreciating what happens in Vancouver year-round by offering something different. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see it this Friday. I'm really excited. I just, Great. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you there. Yes, thank you. I look forward to seeing this even more now because it sounds really interesting from what you've told. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and I hope everybody will get to see it. Well, Me too. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for okay. the, taking the time out of your day for this interview. My, my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Yes, have a nice day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Don't miss the dreamy guitar pop sounds of Penelope Isles. Catch this up-and-coming band live at the Biltmore Cabaret on October 29th. Tickets are on sale now at eventbrite.com and Redcat Records. Presented by MRG Concerts, CITR Radio, and Discorder Magazine. What a strange way to be brought together. The ones they've loved have been wounded or died. Everyone dies. Yes, but everyone isn't killed. In a way... Being loved is like being told you never have to die. UBC Theatre and Film presents Timothy Findlay's The Wars, adapted by Dennis Garnham, directed by Lois Anderson, taking us deep inside the mind of a soldier and catapulting us into the mud, smoke, and chlorine gas of the front line in France in World War I. Emerging artists tell the story of soldiers and their families, not much older than they are now. Timothy Finley's The Wars is ultimately life-affirming, proving that human connection is all. November 7th to 23rd, Frederick Wood Theatre. Tickets for students only 11.50. Theaterfilm.ubc.ca
And we're back. Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And about the last PSA, I just want to say, so UBC Theater is putting on the wars and we're actually having an interview with one of the actors next week. So make sure you tune in and catch that interview to get more inside look on this play. And now we have one of our correspondents, Serena, here to do a review of La Traviata. It was Vancouver Operas. Um, yeah, Serena. Hi, thank you for having me reviewing uh, the opera here. So firstly, I want to introduce a little bit of the context of this opera. La Traviata is an opera in three acts by Giuseppe Vecti, set to an Italian libretto by Fonse Morion Pievi. It is based on La Dame en Camellia, a play adapted from the novel by Alexandre Dumas-Fil. And the context was actually originally set um, in Paris in 1850s, but then because of the scandalous nature of this play, talking about some of the love affairs of one of the courtesans, actually the original kind of similar to uh, meaning of prostitutes of us today that made it um, the writers and the playwrights remove the context back to mid 18th century because people want more distance from that from their real contemporary life's context to feel more comfortable about the content of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, La Traviata remains to be one of the world's most popular operas until today, and is still one of the most uh, veiled and most popular um, opera, according to many rankings. Yes, And uh, yeah, um, there are actually, firstly, I probably want to introduce more about uh, the characters and Mm -hmm. then associate them with the acts and the scenes and then some of the important themes uh, or topics that Mm -hmm. uh, the play reflects. So according to many of the conductors and directors, it's the play is actually extremely challenging, especially for some of the main characters like Violato and Alfredo. Violato is the main female actress mm-hmm. um, in this play, and um, he's uh, there's incredible contrast um, in her duet and trio with two other main characters, including Alfredo and Alfred Alfredo's father Gourmand. Uh, so. Um, and Violetta's emotions, they're always having clashes. Um, many of the time they're having clashes in terms of their emotional exchange when Alfredo was expressing his love to Violetta and Violetta's inner struggles in terms of whether to abandon his previously luxurious and like social party kind of happy lifestyle or mm-hmm. to receive the love of a man that kind of, um, you know, restricts her of a domestic or kind of a, a, an exclusive relationship that would probably um, stop her from um, being as um, luxurious um, or as open to other kinds of pleasures ever. So there's this kind of awe of love that um, Violetta revealed when she received it from Alfredo. And this is the theme of the power and the sacredness of love reflected firstly um, in the first act in, in this opera. Um, and um, later there are some, um, in, 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 the, in the second scene and the third scene, there starts to be um, lots of fluctuations and ups and downs in the plots. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second scene, Violato and Alfredo got happily together, but not for a very long time before um, Alfredo's father came in to try to uh, intervene with this and to stop them from, mm-hmm. from living together anymore. And I found it very interesting because there is the theme of femininity or like what's what's a good woman, what's being a good woman reflected in the scene when Violetta and Alfredo were living together because at the moment um, 
Violetta still wasn't married nor engaged with Alfredo, but she chose to live with him together in a、um, kind of suburban place, simply to have quite of a、um, happy life together with him.、Mm-hmm. Um, so this is quite kind of a bold choice made by a woman、um, in the setting,、um, historical context. When the play was written,、um, and or the historical ha- context that it was trying to uh, uh, reflect,、um, then Violetta chose to be a free woman who is free and brave to pursue his love.、Um, so, some conductors or directors are arguing or are saying that this、um, play is. A tragedy for Villada, but others saying that this is quite a feminist play, because Villada, on the one hand, he had she had、uh, diseases from the beginning of the play, because it was just quite obvious in her speeches and in her singing,、um, and she、uh, she was in bad health conditions, so that also correlates with the early death of her and the end of the play. But at the same time, it's also not tragic for Velada. It's trying to reflect,、um, even if Velada, being a courtesan and being an ill woman, being a woman in one of those marginalized positions in society, she's still very brave to pursue her love, and she still、um, has such a pure and. Th- Sacred heart. When she heard that、uh, Alfredo's father needs him back, needs him back to his home, and she was willing to sacrifice her love for the happiness of Alfred Alfredo's、um, sister, little sister, you know, because she was really、um, empathetic, compassionate about、uh, Alfredo's father. And these are all the theme. These are the themes that I've found、mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so I've analyzed a lot about Villado, which、okay. is yeah one of the main character and、yeah. uh, protagonists in the play, and there's also Alfredo, who's kind of a masculine character. So we can we can understand him from the point of like the masculinity that he was trying to um, um, that's manifested in him and his character.、Mm-hmm. Um, so when he heard that his、uh, family. Uh, when he heard that Villato was running short of money, he was in a rush to go out to make more money to provide for his family, rather than you know allowing his、um, his woman quote unquote to <laughs> <laughs>、uh, to continue selling her luxury to provide for the family. So it's kind of something、um, in it, and but then there's also. Something about Alfredo that she's been showing anger or、um, some kind of impatience to、uh, Violetto. His love to her is not like entirely consistent in a way because he held some grudges when Violetto did not explain why she had to li- live him.、Mm-hmm. Um, so he did not know that his dad was in between、um, at this. Thing. So, Alfredo is、um, a person interesting, but <laughs> more interestingly, I found was Alfredo's dad, Gourmand. So,、yeah. Gourmand is actually、um, speaking or singing about a lot of the important themes, including his faith in God. Okay. For example, when he was trying to. Drive. Sorry, when he was trying to drive Villada out of her house and away from、um, Alfredo, he talked about his resort to the moral authority of God. For example, he thinks that if Villada wants salvation, then she has to leave Alfredo to, for all the reasons that he said, you know, for the. Goodness of his son, but then that reminds me of certain themes of paternalism and and the kind of doctrinal interpretation of what God and morality really is. Yeah, interesting to some extent, because how how can、uh, the father know what his son really wants? So、yeah. when the son knew the fact later in the play, he was really angry. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,、um, and that is. 
very interesting for me. Um, Alfreda also talked about this interchangeable, like interrelationship between family and an individual passionate love that he was trying to convince, that he was trying to um, talk to his son about. He was trying to educate him in some sense. But he asked him to abandon his love because he thinks that eventually his son needs to go back to his home. He was so clingy to his son, thinking that, well, your life with us has always been really happy and pleasurable. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're away from, from your family, how are you going to do with, with um, the family? And... Um, so he thinks that the pleasure and the happiness that the family can provide for the son could be replaceable in some sense to the son's own passionate individual love, or he, he thinks that the son and uh, Violetta, has, both of them have to sacrifice for some of um, what's goodness and the family's benefits, you know, from, from the father. But... Um, we don't know if the moral authority and the salvation that he talks about is actually from God or he received the calling of God or it's just kind of uh, making of mm-hmm. his own. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, so besides La Treviata itself in general, what did you think of the production itself? So like yeah. Vancouver Opera's version of La Traviata. Yeah. Um, this version, I found it quite unique in terms of the music group and the, um, uh, the symphony, the orchestra. So there were a group of really professional musicians playing mm-hmm. their instruments kind of um, below the, the stage. stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the stage sure. settings are, ex- are really, really professional and quite vivid. It reminds me of the... Parisian yeah. uh, settings <laughs> and um, all of the buildings were um, just really fantastic, um, reminding me of the architecture and the constructions. Um, they literally put the real materials in there. Oh, and, really? and, and when uh, there are certain scenes of uh, the suns coming from the outside, um, they made it really like real. And the beginning, at the beginning, it was quite of a fancy party um, scene that everyone wears extremely luxurious and beautiful mm-hmm. and shiny uh, costumes. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, it was quite of a gloomy scene when uh, Villada almost died, and then mm-hmm. they were trying to reconcile with her. So it was quite a gloomy and dark, dark uh, scene that they all arranged very well. Um, I. Th- I've looked up some information about the custom designer and the production lighting designer. Mm-hmm, yeah. They're they're very international. Uh, they're from Florence, they're from uh, San Francisco, New York, many of the places, and very diverse of a team. And I also found it interesting how the opera casted off their uh, actors because, um, you know, uh, the main male character was actually of an Indian origin, but he was he's an uh, amazing actor. But the son, no, but this is the son, but the father of the son is an actor of Chinese origin. Oh, so that's, yeah, I, that's nice. Inclusive. Yeah, I like how they're all casting the actors based on their talents. Mm-hmm. So I also try to talk with some other viewers about how they feel of seeing this and they feel um, that all the actors are amazing Mm -hmm. and they have some sort of imaginations about, for example, the father could have adopted the son. So the son could be, you know, not be born to the father or many of the imaginations that we can add to as audiences when we are interpreting the shows. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to see all this diversity in the show. Yeah, and you liked it? You yeah, I liked it? it very much. Mm-hmm. I cried in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. indicates that it was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. yeah. And you would recommend it? I would definitely recommend it to um, more people. And there's also um, a promotion. They're like um, under 40 tickets under for around $40. And there's also student rush tickets. Um, next Thursday nights and probably more dates that mm-hmm. I've been notified about. Yeah, the so pulse. they have one. Uh, they have a show tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. Cool. and Sunday, October twenty seventh at two p.m. Yeah, they're both at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. Awesome. Make sure, yeah, make sure you check it out. Yeah, and um, before we 
go to the ad break, I just want to quickly talk about First Pick Handmade Home Decor. Um, I talked about First Pick Handmade in September and it was this kind of pop-up shop like thing <laughs> that was um that was for clothing and jewelry and stuff like that and so they have been doing this every year once a year and they decide they came up with a home decor version this year and it was this weekend and it was amazing it is everything that was sold there um Every artist basically makes them with their own two hands. It's local, so Vancouver and BC based and handmade. It is amazing. I found some great keychains. And I mean, yeah, but I bought keychains from a home decor event. Yes, I know that is, you know, not what you'd expect, but I just really liked it. And <laughs> yeah, and uh, there were some great, you know, hand painted pillowcases um lighting there was yeah there was lighting candles and you know just not cutlery but like plates and bowls and stuff glass work it, it was just really it's really cool to see how these people can you know create such amazing things just by themselves basically and it's always you know a good choice to support local artists because you know chains are taking over because they're cheap but local artists should be um they should be supported <laughs> yeah and so um make sure you check that out for next year i don't think they're having another one this year but if they do we'll let you know and yeah so that was first pick handmade home decor and the entrance was three dollars in on like at the door cash it's really nothing for the quality you're getting inside and yeah so we'll be back right after this ad break indie rockers raw raw riot play the biltmore cabaret on november 2nd tickets are on sale now at eventbrite.ca and red cat records Presented by MRG Concerts, CITR Radio, and Discorder Magazine. Oh my lord, I need a creative outlet. How on earth can I channel everything that's inside of me? You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? Pardon me? Yeah, you can illustrate for Discorder Magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use Photoshop in their media lab. That is so exhilarating. It fills my soul with lightning. Yeah, just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And we're back after that really short ad break. <laughs> Hello. We have Lua in the studio now. Hello, Lua. Hey, guys. Um, I was here actually just being quiet listening yeah, to Serena, <laughs> which was a lovely review. I'm so happy she has joined us on the yes, show. Me too. Um, and today we're going to talk, well, right now, I guess, we're going to talk a little bit more about the cost of living. Yes. Another one of arts clubs play. This one is showing at the BMO Theater mm -hmm. near the Olympic Village. Um, it was <laughs> something. It was a very interesting play. The Cost of Living is a an hour forty five minute play, no intermission, yes. which I thought was an interesting choice. Me too. Um, walking in, I was like, "They're not going to have an intermission. Like, mm -hmm. what if I need to pee?" Yeah, through? exactly. Like, okay, see, <laughs> this is a little off topic, but I just want to say I hate that um movies like cinema in canada doesn't have intermission because i need to pee <laughs> like i'm drinking water yeah. so yeah one good thing about theater is that they have intermission <laughs> have a lot. but the thing is um it actually was a great choice that they didn't have an intermission and made the play flow mm -hmm. incredibly well but what is the play about well this is a show um about caregiving. Yes, basically. Caregiving and the sense of taking care of a loved one who is in a position that is, well, they need to be taken care of. Yes. Or being hired to take care of someone. It is a small cast. Yeah, just um, four people. Just four people. And out of those two people, 
Uh, two of them were disabled, yeah. playing disabled characters. And two of them able-bodied, playing able-bodied characters. And then again, that conversation about caregiving. Um, my first and lasting impression of the show <laughs> is that um, it was an incredible play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible acting, um, set design. Yes, the Amazing set design so in good. every single way. However, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. And I would never watch it again. Oh my god. Yes, I was so confused at the end. Like, I don't think a play is supposed to leave you that confused. (laughs) The thing is, this is a show to make you think. This is a show that is Mm gut-wrenching. I cried in so many moments of the show. And it is truly a great play. And I do recommend anyone to watch it because it is worth your time. It is worth... Thinking about those perspectives that you don't usually think about. Mm-hmm. Would I ever watch it again? Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't I either. I <laughs> left the show with the overwhelming sense that I needed to know more mm-hmm. about these characters. Yes. I needed to know so much more. And the sense that if anything like this, these circumstances were ever put before me, I would not know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And it still has it still has gotten me thinking. It still has gotten me kind of like even to think about back on the show, like part of me wants to cry, not because it's necessarily a sad show. It has a lot of funny moments. It's very entertaining. It's very yeah. like uplifting at points. But to me it had such a personal, such a deep, deep, deep deep message to me that I cannot like <laughs> yeah i really yeah you started crying and i was like what what is she crying at this is a funny scene and, and now i, was just I like, understand <laughs> why you cried yeah and i was just like sobbing throughout the th- entire thing and so um well let me do a general recap i guess i was so overwhelmed with, yeah. with emotions <laughs> i think that's what what's amazing about this play yeah. it does overwhelm you with emotions this is i think one of those plays that you have to like come in mentally prepared for mm. some emotional hardship for sure um there's not a comedy although it has very funny moments yes, and it, it has, has a those, lot of comedic moments yeah and it has like those comic relief moments yes. it is an overall kind of like a sad tense story but it has those you know what life isn't that bad this is life at its at its most raw Mm -hmm. and to see those intimate moments that you don't usually see was an incredible experience really yes and i just want to say um not being take able to take care of yourself is a really hard thing in life and we don't you know we don't appreciate the fact that we can take care of ourselves enough I feel like so that just made me appreciate my life and my health and so it was good in that sense too which just shows you a different perspective for sure and the other thing is like oh so basically what happens during the show is you're kind of following these two completely separate stories Mm -hmm. um one of which is this disabled man who Hap- who has been disabled since birth yeah and he is hiring a caregiver yeah the other story is uh this woman who was in an accident and became disabled mm-hmm. and then her ex-husband um starts taking care of her yes. because she has no one else and so very different stories very different premises on one side um with the with the disabled woman and her husband slash ex-husband it's kind of like an iffy situation yeah, yeah, yeah. um they're in the process of a divorce um you see that her constantly being like what well, my life was before and her bitterness and her sadness and all those emotions that you understand and you accept and they make you feel something because you want to help her yeah. as much as you can but at the same time her attitude is like does she want help like but at the same time you have to think this is a person who has been able-bodied her entire life and at once all at once she has lost all the movement from her neck down yeah 
She can like move two fingers, and mm-hmm. she becomes dependent on everyone、mm-hmm. or anyone really to do anything in her life. So, how do you navigate from being completely independent to being completely dependent on someone? And that's a conversation that I was not prepared、mm-hmm. to see. I also. Uh, this also raises an interesting point about the care receiver's attitudes towards、uh, whoever helps her. Does she, like you said, does she want the help from the person? Is she going to be really more grateful to the person who helps her, or she feels guilty of being too dependent in some way? And that's yeah, I agree. And the other thing is like, I'm an able-bodied person, and there are certain things about this that I will never be able. To speak to personally, there are things about this that I will never be able to give an opinion on, and I know that that's my position. Like I'm privileged to be the way I am, but at the same time, I putting this into having watched this play and putting this in conversation has opened up some perspectives that I did not consider before. Exactly, and I think that's what's the most important aspect of this play, and it's not just. Talking about able bodies and disabled bodies, but also our relationships to each other.、Mm-hmm. Uh, this play is one that explores, truly explores, the complexity of amorous and non-amorous relationships, romantic and non-romantic yeah, relationships, yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. their depth and to a point of excruciating reality.、Mm-hmm. It was so <laughs> excruciating at points because you can see, like, you could feel exactly what they were saying. Like, yes. This is very true. Like we were able to kind of peek into these very, very intimate moments that I have never watched any film or any other play peek into. Yes, I think so too. Some conversations that, as they started it, I was like, "Are you actually gonna have that conversation yes, like right we, now? Yeah, are <laughs> we actually doing this?、Um, okay, yeah." <laughs> And then, as they were talking, I was like, "I understand why we're having this conversation because, at the end of the day, these are very real conversations that happen.、Yeah. We're just not used to having yeah, them or heard. Brave enough to expose them to yeah, others, or we think they're taboo, or like not necessarily taboo, but we think it's disrespectful. But、yeah. seeing them put in that context where." Both the disabled and able person, they have that relationship that they can't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, to that extent, was just like I did not realize I needed to be part of this. Co- well, I、mm-hmm. observed this conversation、yeah. before. I cried so much. I left. <laughs> <laughs> I left this play、yeah. with my entire face swollen from yeah, crying. Yeah,、so、I mean, that's、gosh. like very eye opening as well as heart opening. Yeah, exactly. The actors were so good that you were just in the story. And yeah, that's why I feel like we were partly confused and mad at the end because they kind of、um, should I go into this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost it's a very abrupt ending. Yeah, it has a very abrupt ending. Yeah, basically, it's、so. an ending that、um, ba- basically leads into something. It's as if it leads into a completely new story. Yeah, and that's what's I think was kind of left me hanging, and I think. That's part of the heart wrenching moment of this play because we're so into it, we're so involved in these people's lives, and to just be left there, yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels to the audience. It felt truly like <laughs> they didn't care about me. <laughs>、yeah. Although it's like they don't have to care about me. I'm here to、yeah. watch someone do a play,、yeah. but the fact that I was so involved that I felt that they owed me something,、mm-hmm. I think speaks a lot to the quality of this play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. The cost of living, people. <laughs>、um, you've heard it here. It is、um, a little heavy on emotions, but that's a good thing. You need to experience those emotions, I think.、Yeah. <laughs> so、um, it's running until November third, as Lois said, at the BMO、um, theater. theater center. Yes, exactly. And the other thing is,、um, the Arts Club is still having on the other two shows we reviewed previously. So a thousand splendid suns. If you're looking for something. Similar, I guess. Oh my God! A thousand splendid suns <laughs> was <laughs> a thousand more times <laughs> heavier than this. 
<laughs> there you go. And if you were looking for something on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, the birds and the bees, amazing comedy, oh, very yeah. chill night, very very oh, uplifting, yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah. If you wanna have a chill night, go see Birds and the Bees. If you wanna cry, go see either Thousand Splendid Sons or Cost of Living. Basically. <laughs> and coming soon will be The Sound of Music, which yes. we're all very excited about. Yes. Um, and there's one more that I can't remember. I think it's Christmas at Pemberley. Um, might be. I'm not sure. I don't want to say anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Don't quote me. Yeah. But yeah. And so before we end the show, we want to do a few shout outs. Yes. Mm, well. What are the shout outs? The, the shout outs are out of concealment and oh, hold yeah. these truths. So the Bill Reed Gallery has just opened up a new exhibition. Bill Reed Gallery is downtown. Um, it's called Out of Concealment. It's a very cool photographic exhibition um, with photographic manipulation. Very interesting. Really looking forward to, you know, participating in that. If you have a chance, go check it out. It will be running for a few months. So you do have some time to go see that. Uh, regardless, it is very Cool, and I love art galleries, and we probably will be talking a little bit more about these art galleries later on, especially Vancouver Art Gallery, which is nearby Bill Reed, um, mm -hmm. the Bill Reed Art Gallery, um, which is having two new exhibitions opening up this weekend. Nice. Uh, the second shout out we have is for Kokoro Dance Hold These Truths. Um, and Hold These Truths is a solo play inspired by the life of Gordon. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the text is you really can, small for yeah. me. I, I'm sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gordon Hira Bayashi. Um, it's running from October 20th to November 2nd at the Culture Historic Theater. That is on commercial. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, that's commercial drive. It's a very uh, intimate theater. Um, and go check it out. It's a story about, well, it's a one man show where a Japanese-American pacifist who was born in 1918 and he refused to go to American internship camps and was arrested for it. Ooh. And it tells, it talks about his life. Um, and because this is a single, sh like a single man show, he, the, act, the single actor, Joel De La Fuentes, plays multiple characters, oh, but mostly um, Goran. Anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's our show for today. Yes, that's it. Um, yeah. Hope to see you next week. We are very excited to what's coming up. Um, we're going to have a few interviews next week. Yeah, we have a live interview. That's yeah. going to be fun. <laughs> and also for Writers Fest, which is coming up next week, yeah. we're going to also talk about the UBC Theater and Film's new play that's coming up. Yeah, The Wars. Wars the Wars. Yes. And yeah, these are some of the things that are coming up. The Medicine Show will be coming up next. Hope you enjoy that. And thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye. Bye. See you. My head down to the If I don't keep thinking about these two a.m.
Pretty.